I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everybody, welcome to Marriage and Martinis. I'm Adam, here's Danielle. Hello. And happy belated Father's Day to all the dads out there. Yes, happy Father's Day. We had a nice Father's Day. You did, did a great job, by the way. I did? Well, I want to say thank you, yeah. Wow, I Put feel like I there. didn't do enough. I, I had to do pretty much nothing. I grilled, which I love doing, mm-hmm. but besides that, yeah, you did everything. Oh, yay. Great. I'm so glad. I don't feel like I did, but I'm so happy. <laughs> I feel like I did almost nothing, but I'm so exhausted. Yeah. I mean, I got up, I went to work real early, and then I came back and <laughs> I used my uh, hedge clipper. Your, your weed whacker? <laughs> my weed whacker. I just say hedge clipper. That's like a <laughs> manual thing. I don't know. But my weed whacker. That was yeah. fun. I like doing that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. And then I uh, got into bed and watched TV for a little while. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> Yeah, you sound like you're like just talking about a minute. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, not. I'm just saying like it's one of those like when you're just when you're talking, you're just so tired. Right. You don't even know what you're right, exactly. But I bet everybody is so happy to hear from you, though, because for like the past week and a half, it's been only me on the podcast. And I think people are missing you very much, as am I. You so, think so? Of I know. Course. I think you are. I hope everybody I else is. Everybody's missing you. Oh, I good. promise. Thank you. I can speak on behalf of <laughs> everybody out there. Good. Uh, and this was a fun, I was so happy you were here for this episode. It was um, fun. It was fun. I also just want to point out, you and I are going away. We, I just booked us like this little cottage in upstate New York for a few nights in July where we are planning on going and just like podcasting and, you know, doing lots of marriage and martinis stuff, maybe some lives and um, organizing some stuff for like future projects. And so there's going to be a lot of fresh episodes coming out this summer. Um, So we just can't wait, you know, to start doing that. So look for those this summer. There will be a lot of good ones coming. Um, and yeah, so the, the kink therapist that we spoke to, Sarah, she was really fun. Yeah. And the, I, the fun thing about it was, what was it? 845 in the morning that we were getting, we started talking to her about kinks and fetishes. And Right. Our interview was at like literally 845. Yeah. Our kids had just gotten on the bus. We right. closed the door and we we're like, okay, let's talk about vibrators. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun morning conversation. Like put snack in the book bag, put them on the bus and then close the door. And we're like, okay, so what about dildos? What? Right. So, uh, but I do also want to give a little bit of a trigger warning. We do talk about porn in this episode and we talk uh, some about rough sex and there's a lot of open content um, sexually. So if this is a topic that is, you know, that can trigger you um, talking about kinks or fetishes or rough play or porn or anything, you might want to set this one out. Um, Totally understandable. 
um, for the for everybody else, I think that it is a really important episode. Um, I think again about the shame and the stigma, and and we open up a lot about that, um, and why it's so hurtful. The shame is can really lead to some bad scenarios sexually if you're not communicating. Yeah, and besides that, I also wanted to say you and I we talk about this in the. Um discussion we have with Sarah, but you and I, we always felt we're very vanilla. We are not into um, kinks and, you know, fetishes and all that kind of stuff. But as you and I spoke to people throughout doing this podcast, it kind of piqued our interest a little bit. So if this is not something that you're usually into and you're not, you know, triggered by it in any way, give it a listen just in case. Oh, definitely. You know, like even if it's not your thing, it could be. Right. Yeah. And, and it might give you the courage to go and talk to your partner. She talks about fantasy. Sarah talks a lot about fantasy disclosure, which is when you disclose, you know, a, a fantasy or a kink or something you've been wanting to try with your partner. Um, and it can have a lot of really awesome benefits in so many aspects of your relationship to be open about this. Right. And we talk about how to start engaging that conversation, too. So it's not just how do I do this? That's right. Yeah. Uh, you can go find Sarah at the kink therapist on Instagram. We'll put her uh, link to our, uh, to her website on, in the show notes on the um, episode page. And also she wrote an awesome little article uh, on our Friday five this past Friday that you can find on our website. If you go under the Friday five, um, the title is Good Lovers Are Made, Not Born. And I thought it was a really good Friday Five. So go check that out. Uh, date night questions. If you want more, um, the yes, no, maybe checklist that we have for, you know, if you want to be discreetly talk to your partner about maybe trying some new things and spicing things up in the bedroom. We have a libido category in the uh the ebook, lots of awesome resources out there. So uh, download that if you haven't already. And please enjoy listening to Sarah Rosen, the kink therapist. Hi, Sarah. Hello. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for being here. I follow you on Instagram. You and I have like uh, messaged a bunch on Instagram back and forth. And yes. I'm always trying to follow more sex positive people and more sex therapists. Mm-hmm. Can you give everybody a little background about you and also how you t- decided to become a sex therapist? Sure, sure. Um, so I was very, I was always very intrigued with sexuality and I went to an all girls Catholic school. I had abstinence only education and that all felt very confusing to me, but I was also a very rebellious kid. Um, that's what Catholic school was due to you. So when I was 18, I started working at this erotic boutique in midtown Manhattan called Eve's garden. And it was life changing for me because I found that, uh, people came into sex stores for really important reasons. Like Uh, women who were working through sexual trauma and working towards just being comfortable with their own bodies or people going through chemo who are looking for different assistive devices. I met with so many women who had been married for 30 years who had never had an orgasm. And it just felt like, okay, this is what I was meant to do. So then I pursued a, a clinical degree. So I went to University of Delaware where I um, majored in gender and human sexuality. And then I went to Widener University where I got my master's in social work and my master's of education in human sexuality. Wow. So what is that like to go to school for like- Wait, before you get to the school, what what was that boutique? I missed it. 
when you were explaining? It's called, it's called Eve's Garden, and it's a very cool upscale erotic boutique. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I knew when she was Are saying, you planning on going there? I, I would like to check it out. Okay. <laughs> you should. You okay. should. Is it still there? Yes, it's still there. And um, my my boss who worked there at the time, Kim Ibersevic, she runs the store. She's incredible. Um, so oh, yeah, if you're awesome. in the city, I would totally recommend checking out Eve's Garden. Because I don't know if you remember, Ad, when, when I was in college, because I went to college in New York, uh, we lived right around the corner from the Pleasure Chest. Remember the Pleasure nope. Chest? It's a very I famous. Yes, store. yes. And so I, my friends and I would go. I remember my roommate and I, like, I guess our sophomore or junior years going together and getting our first vibrators. Do you remember what it was? You know, I don't remember. And I I think that we were so, we were still kind of, um embarrassed to be in there i don't know why because it was because well, you were in college and you were your first time so. getting into this i, I mean yeah it I, makes sense right i guess so so we went in and i think we like just like got the first thing we found and left i don't think we even asked anybody to help us we were just like oh. okay we got one you know and then and it's funny because for you guys it was probably a little bit mortifying but for the person who worked there who probably hears like all this weird shit that they love it, like it was like oh if these two girls are buying sex toys it probably was like nothing to them so it's so funny it's all about perspective right someone who's around sex a lot nothing not much phases them but so I, but you're you have a better collection now. I'm gonna send you guys some stuff. We'll, we'll talk anyway. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Well, we have, but it took us a long time, you know. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. once you started working at the sex, the um, the sex boutique, were you all of a sudden like, I gotta try out all this stuff? Or, well, my mom was very smart, and she knew that the best way to sell a product is if if you really know how it works. So, yes, yeah, so that's when I started my massive collection, and to this day, I have more sex toys that than anyone could ever need. I can't complain. Um, but yeah, so I got to learn a lot about myself, my own sexuality while helping to guide other people along their journeys. So it was great. So cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just picturing like when when people have like toy collections and they display them on a shelf on their wall and they <laughs> keep them in the box. Like, does you what do you walk into your house and your room is like a display of unopened valuable ones and ones? In, <laughs> like, you know what? It's that's it's so funny because yes, I just have, and I do keep all the boxes. And one day I would love to just have a sex toy display room or like some people have a huge shoe closet. I would love to have like a sex toy closet, everything on display, but I have so many, like here, you'll see, I use this huge dildo to um, hold on to all my headbands. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Wait, we are literally looking at a huge dildo that is holding all your headbands. My hair stuff. I mean, so I, <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get into this, by the way, but that is really intimidating. Just, just yeah. putting it out there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> here, let me, let me take all my, my headbands off this. I don't know why I put on a, put a cock ring on it for fun. Yeah. This is, you know, a, a little intense, but, um, dual purpose and that it, it, uh, holds my hair stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> And you keep the boxes. It's so it's not like you can resell anything. You use no, it. no, no. Of course not. No, no. I I know it's so weird. I was talking about this with my supervisor. She because uh, she was telling me about how when she gets something, she throws everything out right away. I'm like, no. I I, I just learned that it was weird to keep all the boxes from your toys. But I guess I. I uh, have a lot of pride in my toy collection. Right, I remember, get that. Remember in the 40-year-old virgin, they go to his apartment and it's just boxes of his toys. toys and yes, 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 yes. Yeah. 
So the first thing I want you to do, because you are the kink therapist, yes. number one, what made you come up with that title as opposed to, you know, something just more general that you, you do sort of concentrate in kinks and fetishes. Am I right? Yes. Yes. It's my favorite thing to talk about. Well, okay. So why is that? And also, can you explain a little bit to people? Because one of the things that we, I still am confused sometimes about is the difference between kinks and fetishes. Okay. Well, I'm going to explain to you and we're all still going to be confused because the the definitions are always evolving and I'm going to give my explanation and someone will disagree with it, but that's the beauty of sexuality, such a spectrum and different perspectives. Okay. So the way that I like to look at a kink and a fetish. So the definition of a kink is a bend in the norm, a bend in something straight. So to me, a kink is the behavior like that. So for example, take a foot fetish. So a fetish would be something that you're attracted to. Like you, you much prefer thinking about and having feet in the, in the interaction when you have a fetish, but kink is maybe something that you engage in for fun, but not something that you necessarily need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, 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 I'm under the impression that for a fetish, you really kind of need it to be turned on and aroused. Yeah, yeah, most times. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be something that you just try because you're interested and you want to do something new. And then a kink could become a fetish and a fetish could be a kink. Like maybe you like ha- you are attracted to feet, but you have a kink of licking whipped cream off of them. Okay. Right. Right. So they, I mean, I use them interchangeably a lot. I I try not to get too hung up on that because it is confusing and different people have different definitions. Mm -hmm. And I told you, we still be confused about it. (laughs) Yeah, it is confusing. Totally. And what, and I know that there's also a, like you said, a spectrum of what is a kink for one person is just normal behavior for another. So one couple that tries something that's usually pretty quote unquote vanilla some, something, you know, is a kink to them. Whereas other people, it's what they do all the time. Absolutely. And that's why I, you know, you, I, I hate when people uh, get too caught up in comparing their own sex life to, to other people's because yeah, for some people like doggy style, super kinky so for some people, that's what they do every time. So it's vanilla. It, it's all relative. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's interesting. I always considered us to be so vanilla ever since we first met up until just two, three years ago, maybe four years ago. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because what she just said, like doing doggy style might be, you know, really kinky to somebody else where sure. for us, we just thought it was kind of normal and vanilla. Right. Right. You know, right. We thought we were being vanilla. But to, to other couples, we probably definitely were. Oh, yeah. Yep. The fact that you guys have a podcast where you publicly discuss your sex life is pretty freaking kinky. Oh yeah. Hmm. I never looked at it like that. We should play while we're having sex. We should not play. Listen to your podcast, like install a mirror ceiling. I love that. I don't know if that would be like the most narcissistic thing or just to play your own podcast while you're having sex. That would be a kink or a yeah, a kink. Um, why not? Right. Well, no, yeah, I'll, tell you no, why I'll tell you why not. okay, but so you you decided you wanted to just really concentrate in kinks and stuff. Why? What is it to you about? I mean, is it about the shame and the stigma? Is it what is it about that in particular? 
Yes. So when a client comes into my office and they disclose their kink to another person for the first time, um, and you know, when they hear me say, oh, cool. All right. So like, let's talk about how you can do that. How can we connect you to people in your community? Um, just the, the sigh of relief a client takes in that first session is like, oh, it's what I live for. It's the best feeling in the world. Just helping someone to feel comfortable with their authentic self. And, oh, oh, they're, it's just the best. So, I mean, there are a lot of things that I like in sex therapy. I love erectile dysfunction. I like working with infidelity, but there's something about helping someone navigate a kink that is just chef's kiss. It's so fun. So um, that, so I've really made that my specialty. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And there's got to be something also about, like you said, being the person. Because I remember when I, when I first started therapy and I remember the first time I revealed something that I had never revealed to anybody mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, it was like, and, and the reaction from the therapist was sort of like, okay, you know, let's, let's talk about this. There was no, like, I thought it was going to be like a, oh my God, you need to, you know, you need to see like the, you know, the king therapist, like (laughs) you need to see your therapist therapist. Exactly. And he wasn't, he was sort of like, okay. And I was like, oh my God, I can say this and it's okay. So that's sort of how sometimes people feel like they've been waiting to tell you about this kink. And what are some of those that, you know, that we, we might not have heard about before, but are, are more common than you think. Yeah, so different parts of the body, um, foot fetishes are just my favorite kink because that's such a common one that a lot of guys come to with so much shame. Um, how am I going to tell my partner about this? How am I ever going to find someone who likes this? And I'm like, what? Who doesn't love foot rubs? Or, you know, there, there's always a way to make it work. Um, I mean, armpit fetishes, wedgies, like there, there are so many things that you can sexualize. And like the more erotic, erogenous zones that we can explore in our bodies, like the, the better. Mm-hmm. And so what you guys said before that you felt like you were really vanilla in the beginning of your relationship and now you're kinkier, but that's, that's how it goes. That's how it should go. Because the longer you are together, then, you know, the, the more new things you should try as you go. Right. There's nothing more erotic than novelty. And a lot of couples open up their relationships. I mean, yeah, later into their marriages because like monogamy is novel when you're younger, sex is novel in and of itself. And then, you know, you you need to try new things. So you you guys are doing it right. (laughs) I remember my cousin saying to me, I think I spoke about this on a podcast episode, but I remember my cousin saying to me when she was about to get married, she was engaged and I was still in college, I think. And she looked, you know, we were talking about marriage and everything. And she looked at me because she had like a bunch of sex toys and everything. And she looked at me and she said, 
forever is a really long time. You're going to have to like, we have to keep things spicy. And that yes. her, like she knew even back then that it is a really, and it is a really long time to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. You get too used to it. And then it, you know, um, so a lot of kings have to do with cultural taboos. So, I mean, the, there's something about novelty and doing something that we're not supposed to do that is just so hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get yeah. some questions. Oh, go ahead. No, that, that's just what's enticing about it, really. I mean, forget about just having the fetish, fetish if it's in your mind. Knowing that it's wrong, that kind of makes it a lot more hot, you know? Yeah. And that's why uh, fetishes and kinks really are different in different cultures because we have different taboos. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I got some questions, uh, a bunch of yes. questions from our listeners. So I just wanted to go through some of them and talk about them. The first one, and, and, most of these we got from more than one person. It was like several people who gave us the same questions. So one of them is, I want to find out if my boyfriend would be interested in spanking and choking, but I'm so worried to bring it up. How do I do this? Okay. So, oh my gosh. Imagine you bring up a kink or something you want to try to your partner and they shame you for it. And then like that impacts you for the rest of your life. And you're like, I could never tell another partner about this. There's something wrong with me. And you internalize that shame. So know that if your partner is disclosing something to you, even if you're not into it, the worst thing you can do is shame them for it. So maybe ask them about it. See what it is they like about it. Um, For the person disclosing, you don't have to disclose everything all at once. You can test the waters. Maybe say, hey, I heard about my friend who's, who tried this. Like, what do you think about that? Maybe you find a movie where that certain thing is depicted and you watch it with your partner and you gauge their reaction. Um, or if you do want to just come out with all that at once, preface it with, hey, this is something I feel uh, a, a little um, self-conscious about and I just need you to be gentle with your reaction. Mm-hmm. Do some people come to you like as a couple to reveal to the other person that they have a kink that they didn't want to reveal like without your, your help? Oh, 100%. Um, and it's a really safe place to disclose because it is a complicated conversation. No one tells us how to talk about sex, uh, how to talk about pleasure, how to talk about what we like in bed. Most of our conversations about sex with other people are about STI and STD prevention or pregnancy prevention. It's also negative. So if you are really nervous and you don't know how to do it, see a sex therapist. Like we'll, we'll help you. We'll make it as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. And then wait, wait, based on the last question, just tell me if this is good or bad advice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Cause kind of the way that we did it was like, we got into the choking spanking thing just recently within the last few years. And I don't think we really talked about it. I think it was more, I like, maybe we tried it not intrusively, very gently, very like, it was like, Hey, is this okay? Kind of like, without even thinking about it, it was just, we uh, tried easy without pain, without discomfort. I love that. I love that. I mean, sometimes it's different with in a marriage when you've been together for so long, I don't know, maybe you're having sex and your partner starts talking about, I want to put a tentacle up your ass and you're like, all right, here we go. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, but if that works for you guys, you, you read the room. Okay. Right. 
yeah, it wouldn't work for every couple, but it sounds like you, you felt the vibe you were checking in with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think uh, to a certain extent that worked for us until it didn't because Mm -hmm. we got into, I think the pattern and the habit of just trying something until we realized, well, until, until we tried anal, which Mm -hmm. uh, they're, lots of questions about that. So many questions about anal. Yes, so many questions about anal. And and we tried it without any research, without any, you know, going and talking about it, communicating about it. It was just a sort of like, I want to do it. Let's do it. And it was, I mean, it was like borderline traumatic. It was awful. And I, you know, I, now I'm like petrified to do it again. Although, although people do say that, you know, we should try it again, but, but for something like that, I do think that the communication component of it is so important and people feel like it's not spontaneous, so they don't want to do it. It's not spontaneous to sit down and research the right way or anything like then it almost makes it feel like a science project. Ah, spontaneity and sex is such a misconception. I love planned sex. I love knowing it's going to happen, especially if you're going to have super kinky sex. I mean, maybe you want costumes or tools in place. Usually that stuff takes planning. So it's, it's a myth that sex needs to be spontaneous for it to be good. We should be talking about sex outside of the bedroom. Maybe sometimes you have spontaneous sex and sometimes you have sex that it's a little more complicated that you've planned. Um, you know, anal is one of those things that I would absolutely recommend talking about beforehand. And, you know, you guys, like many couples, learn the hard way. My, my butt hurts for you just thinking about this. <laughs> Thank you. It appreciates that. yeah it was really and it wasn't you know it wasn't one of our faults it was just the fact that we were just so naive and we didn't know and we these things and you want to try them but yet because of the shame and everything you know you're afraid to really to really talk about it and and to research about it yeah I mean I always tell people talk about sex outside of the bedroom with your partner talk about sex with your friends people who talk about sex have better sex Mm-hmm. But that's why we did in our date night ebook, we did a yes, no, maybe checklist that people can find out if they're aligned on things and, or not. And that's perfect. Having a list that makes it so easy. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's, it's discreet, you know, that way you can sort of trade your lists and be like, here you go, because it is uncomfortable to talk about. Someone said that their husband is into porn and it bothers them. Uh, it makes me feel really self-conscious and uncomfortable. So how should they handle that? Hmm, this is such a complicated topic. Okay, I haven't really seen a lot of relationships where kind of shaming someone or limiting what someone likes, especially during solo sex, um, you know, uh, really works well. So I would want to ask that person, how would you feel if your husband were reading erotica instead? Would you feel self-conscious? Would it make a difference? Um, A lot of times when we watch porn, it's not so much about the person, but it is about the act. And I I can tell you, there has never been a time where I've watched porn by myself and I felt uh, less attracted to my husband. It it hasn't happened where I'm just like, I'm going to go run away at this porn star. Hasn't happened yet. Uh, It likely won't. So I, I think that there's this misconception that like sexuality is competitive and that we're comparing. But if your partner is watching porn, then it might just give them more ideas of what to bring into the bedroom, see how it can enhance your relationship. Uh, Maybe watch porn with them, pick out porn that you like. And 
I love the idea of knowing your porn stars. So um, there's this woman I love, Ella Darling, and she has a TED talk about how she went from being a librarian to then directing her own porn company. So maybe if we feel more comfortable with the women our partners are watching, that could make it a little bit easier. But there are so many different ways to tackle this. But again, the worst thing you can do is shame your partner for liking porn. Mm -hmm. Is there a certain point though that it, it that people do have to worry about? Oh, maybe my partner has an addiction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So yes, but I find that when partners become a little bit too entrenched in their porn, it's usually because there's something, there's an underlying issue that they're not able to talk about with their partner. So it, usually that is more of a, a relationship issue. Right. And I think sometimes I, I was listening to a podcast and there was this guy who came on and he was talking about how he created this platform that was completely anonymous for him and his friends, where they could share and talk about porn that they were watching without knowing who the person was like anonymously that they could talk about it and share it because they all sort of wanted to talk about it. But at the same time, no one wanted to reveal what, you know, and they had certain rules, like nothing illegal, you know, nothing. So, but, but because people really do, it's a topic that people want to talk about, but you can't. And people I think are worried that you're going to be judged. And one thing that Sarah Silverman, the, the comedian always says is, you know, I'm so glad that nobody's going to judge me personally by my porn choices, or I hope nobody does because that doesn't reveal who I really am. Absolutely not. And I always hear people say, like, uh, when I die, please, like, delete my computer files, like, go, go through my history, delete it all. Um, there is so much shame around what we masturbate to. But right, you know, what we fantasize about, it doesn't even mean that that's what we want to do in practice. Sometimes just the idea of something turns us on. Right. And that's okay. Right, right. Like, I have a lot of female clients who love like non-consensual gangbang porn, but they don't want to really do it in real life. Some people do, and that's cool. Um, so sometimes it's just about, so yeah, yeah. Um, but the porn conversation, there are so many different ways to solve this issue. And, you know, I just thought about while we were talking about this, what about making your own porn with your partner? If you're really uncomfortable with them watching porn, make your own movies for them to watch. Mm -hmm. Something to think about. <laughs> uh, but okay, but yeah, one more thing. Turn off the Wi-Fi first. Right, exactly. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One more thing to think about with the porn, because you were talking about Ella Darling also, and I know there's Erica Lust and all these. Yes. I know it is important. We said it before in, in episodes to pay for your porn. 
Mm-hmm. And that one thing that you can do as a, as a partner, if you're concerned about your partner watching porn or, or you're concerned about the industry in general and feeling guilt is to yeah. find that there are porn companies out there that are female centered and treat their, you know, their, uh, their actors and their sex workers really, really well. Um, and to look for those. Yeah. And that's why I love OnlyFans. OnlyFans is amazing. Um, you know, women are really able to take their jobs into their own hands. Uh, you could purchase a la carte services, videos. It's so, so safe. And, the, you know, you, you have so much agency as a performer on OnlyFans. So for ethical porn, that is one of my go-tos. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Only fans. No, I know nothing about it. But I, I wanted to ask also, not to get too much into the porn thing, but I'm not a big porn guy and never have been. Mm-hmm. Not, not that I'm think I don't think anything's wrong with it. It's just not sure. my personal thing. Yeah, yeah. But I watch it. You know, I, I, I mean, I get into it sometimes, but I just find for me, like I go to the typical like you porn, porn hubs, like the, mm-hmm. I just find it's all the same, and it's all nothing's really. I don't find anything hot about it. I don't find it works for me in that way. It's just the same kind of video over and over and over again. So is that why these other sites, like Danielle was just mentioning a pay for or whatever, do they do things differently that maybe it's. Yeah. There's a lot more variety. I find in mainstream porn, you find uh, one body type and it's just not realistic. I mean, I, I think that on OnlyFans, you can find real people. Yeah, you can find that standard porn body type, but there's, there's such a variety. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's also one of the things about the female centered porn and these other, and you know, these companies that that's really amazing and what they're trying to do. Just Uh, remember for, oh, sorry. Porn is your friend. I mean, if your partner wants to have sex and they're like, cool, but I just want it to last that long. Instead of saying like, can you make it quick? Cause that's not sexy. Like that's a total boner killer. Um, put on porn. They're going to come real quick. Job done. Right. You know, if you're, if you're not into it that time, you're like, ah, oh, you know, we can have sex, but right. You know, utilize it to your advantage. I know. I think it's something that you have to really like become comfortable with or, or not. I mean, obviously everybody, you know, there's some people who they're never going to be comfortable with it, but I do think that it's something that you have to restructure in your life in a way that's going to, you know, if you feel guilty watching certain porn, but you feel like it's going to be shameful to have that on your bill every month. Well, mm-hmm. at least if you have it on your bill every month, you have that inner, I'm doing the right thing and supporting the right places. That's so yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. A big one that we get, and this has been um, an ongoing topic. We, we've spoken about it in episodes where Adam and I have done like some advice stuff and everything, but the big thing about the, the kink of my husband likes to walk around in stripper, stripper heels or dress up. Is this something I should be worried about? And what does it mean? Okay, no, it's not something you should be worried about. Um, If you start shaming your partner for what they like, that's something I would worry about much, much more. Um, And if your partner is able to do something that feels vulnerable and even maybe a little embarrassing for them and you're able to accept them, that is going to only improve your relationship. That's it. That's it. Your partner is going to feel so grateful that they can be their authentic self. Because if you tell them you're uncomfortable with what they like, they're not going to stop liking that. They're just going to develop internalized shame. 
And it doesn't mean that they don't love you. And it doesn't mean that you, you know, it just is something that's separate and apart from, right. Or that they want to experience with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, and I, a lot of people ask, you know, where does this kink come from? What happened in my childhood that, that makes me like this? And I personally, I don't love to pathologize kinks and fetishes. I'm like, if it's something that was triggered for your childhood, if it's something that was just, uh, you know, just how, how you were made, you're just wired this way, you're wired kinky, and some people are. Um, I mean, it, I don't really like to focus on where it comes from because then that, that could cause some shame. Um, I just try to figure out how can we make this work? Mm-hmm. What feels good about this? And when I have a partner who is really uncomfortable with what their partner likes, I like to work with that person and do a very detailed sexual history assessment and see where did they learn their ideas about sexuality? Where does this, um, huh, where does this shame come from? Because they have, they probably have their own internalized shame about their sexuality. Yeah. And well, you talked about the fact that, I mean, when we all grew up with this abstinence or so many of us grew up with this abstinence based, you will get pregnant, you will get an STD, you know, you were, you're making wrong choices. It's terrible type of, and that's really hard. Even if you, as you get older, learn it differently, that's really hard to unlearn. Oh, oh, and that's where I come in helping (laughs) create relationship and sex anarchy. It's so much better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) wow yeah we we've said the word shame so many times during the conversation here and i think that's really important to discuss a little bit because when we did our kinks and fetishes podcast episode the two of us you know then we had questions from listeners somebody said something and my initial reaction was just like shame and like my my i didn't even think about it and you know it, it was like in my opinion, oh my God, how could they do that? That's so weird. That's, you know, bizarre. Like that was just my initial reaction. And it was, I didn't mean to be that way. I didn't mean to think that way. It just kind of came out. Yeah. I've, you know, I, since doing that, I've, I've, I've had to think about, first of all, well, wait a minute. Somebody could say to me, you choked your wife. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, like we, we all have to think right, about, right. You know, just because you think something is weird in your mind, you're probably doing something weird that somebody else thinks, you know what I mean? Oh my God, 100%. One person's yum and it's another person's yuck. And that's okay. I just think it's so important just to think about now, at least now I do, making the mistake myself. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. If it was a little bit shocking at first, we learn. Right. That's what we're here for. We're here to learn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Right, it is so strange when you break it down. Like, why are some things not taboo, like oral sex? when some things are like anal sex or like, what is it? I mean, why does society get to tell us what things are quote unquote, okay. And what stuff isn't, but yet we all kind of follow that, you know, that dynamic that is so strange. The mainstream sex and relationship script is so limiting there's just so like sexuality is such a spectrum. It's so expansive. And um, you, I find that a lot of people are limited to, to missionary vanilla sex. And again, if that's your thing, cool. If that's your kink, great. Um, but there is so much more to sexuality. There's so much to explore. <sighs> and a lot of it just has to do with our, the societies that we grow up in. Mm-hmm. 
I think um, there are these resources and everything. Obviously, you're an amazing resource and you'll tell everybody where to find you. But there are other resources online and everything that make it easier for people to talk more in depth about these kinks and everything that and that can really be life saving for a person who's feeling a lot of shame and feeling like they can't release this desire. Yes. Okay. So there's this website, myfet.com, M-Y-F-E-T. And it's like an OnlyFans site, but they really specialize in fetish and kink. And I love this website because if you go on their list of kinks, it is the most expansive list I've ever seen. If you feel like you're into something weird that no one would like, go check out this website because you're going to feel super vanilla. Okay. And what do you have to do? You is it like something that you go on? Is it like a porn website or it's it's just like OnlyFans, but even kinkier because OnlyFans, um, uh, there's a lot of internet uh, censorship right now going on when it comes to sexuality. Like on Instagram, you'll see a lot of people like are spelling s asterisk s x because you can get your account deleted if you're talking about sex. So you have to be very careful. Um, it's the same on OnlyFans. If you are depicting a choking scene, that could be a buzzword that gets your account deleted. So, I mean, and imagine like this is what you do for a living. You have like 300,000 followers on Instagram on OnlyFans and your account gets deleted. That's your income. That's your life. It's, it's devastating. So I really like my fet because you're able to do the, you know, all the weird stuff. And I say weird in the, in the best way. Um, and they really monitor their accounts to make sure that everything is consensual, but without uh, deleting accounts unnecessarily. So it's a, it's a very, it's a little bit safer for sex workers to work on my fet as opposed to OnlyFans. Got it. Be- yeah. yeah. I know the whole Instagram thing and social media thing with sex and sex positivity is absolutely, I, I can't even begin to understand it. Yes. So on TikTok, I made this, I made this TikTok about um, like, you know, dating, like dating someone who says like, I should be enough for you, shouldn't need toys and breaking up with them. And the next partner is like, look at all these toys I got for us to try. It got 2.6 million views. And I could not believe how many women identified with this video. There's just hundreds of thousands of comments of that was my ex. This is my current partner. And then it got deleted. And I was like, TikTok, why? Why? Um, you know, my account got restored. But yeah, the, the censorship is real and it's harmful. Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, and lastly, I want to talk about I mean, there's so much more to talk about. Yes. But I to talk about aftercare. Yeah. Because there, there is this idea of that a lot of these situations, especially if you're first trying them together for the first time, um, that they can be really emotionally and physically draining. And what you need to give your partner, even even not even regular sex. I mean, some people like there are some nights where Adam and I are just like, can I, you know, I don't just don't sure. talk to me. Yeah. But there, but there's also this idea of aftercare that I know is really big in the kink community and the BDSM community that I think we should all be doing more of. Yeah, in my opinion, um, the more intense the scene, the, the the more important aftercare is. I mean, to- Can you to, just explain aftercare a little bit to people who don't know? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, coming down from a sexual experience, taking care of your partner. Like, 
if you're gonna choke the shit out of your wife, maybe afterwards you wanna you wanna cuddle and you know just uh, get, transition back to real life after that intense dynamic. So like, give yourself I don't know it's a little bit of time to come down, hold each other, or you know grab a towel, grab water, and just chill out for a little bit. Maybe talk about what you liked, what you didn't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish that people would do would do more of that. And you know sometimes like everyone comes and you're like all right good night and that's cool too yeah okay one more thing resources for people who do want to start to look into with their partner or start talk to their partner about kinks or maybe step things up in the bedroom a little bit and try a little bit more are there are there sites or accounts or anything that you recommend other than obviously you the kink therapist uh who what else where should they go and look and start to research um, so I love my fet. There's a really cool kinky dating app called Field, F-E-E-L-D. And just to make an account and just to look through and see, like, what do people do? What are real people in our area doing? Um, so that could be a really fun way to explore different kinks. I mean, watch porn together. I, I think it's so fun. Mm-hmm. Read erotica together. Yeah. Or listen to erotica. Yeah. Yeah. Ask your friends what they're doing in bed. <laughs> Ask them. Normalize talking about sex. Maybe your I, friends are doing something really cool that, uh, it, you, you would love to do too, but you don't even know that it exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good idea. I feel like we, we kind of do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We sort of do. Kind of. Oh, Wait, quickly, I just want to touch on anal because there were a bunch of questions about that. And so, like, sounds like you guys went right into penis and butt. There wasn't any um, that is preparation. Okay, so with butt play, and instead of just saying, you know, like, they're all the butt play, there's brimming, you know, eating butt, using toys, fingering. Um, start really slow, like maybe butt massages or like just eat like sticking a finger in while you're using a vibrator on someone's clip um you know really really ease into it. It, it it takes time and if you are worried like oh my god but do they know what comes out of my butt yes yes they know they know I'm like honestly if, if it gets dirty like that's it's a butt it's a butt it's okay I think that is really one of the big the biggest fears yeah I mean it's it's right. but you're going into it knowing what <laughs> right I know I know but what it you're is getting into still, it is still the, just the whole idea of it and I'm not again I'm not listen anybody who's into go for it like whatever you want to do and I was ready I wanted to try it too but I think that is the whole issue is that there's so many aspects of it first of all it's supposed to be wrong second of all what goes on back there exactly get weird and if something doesn't work like you can laugh you can laugh in bed. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know, maybe you're trying dirty talk and you go too far with the, I'm going to stick a tentacle up your ass and lay alien eggs. Like, okay, it's too much. <laughs> you can laugh about it. Like, it's fine. That's actually fine. The, move an on. awesome bonding part of it all is the like laughing about it and being able to, that this is something that you guys are doing together. Yes. Yes. Normalize laughing during sex with your partner, not at them. Right. That's a very good point. Sarah, you're so awesome. Tell everybody where they can find you um, and, you know, all your information. 
Yes. So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at the kink therapist um, to book an appointment. So I'm in, I'm on Long Island, New York, and uh, I work at the Long Island Institute of Sex Therapy. You can find me on Psychology Today, Sarah Rosen, Sex Therapy. All right. Thank you so, so much. Yes. Thank you for having me.